You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. And we finish our series today entitled The Amazing Church. And we've been primarily, of course, you know, in the book of Acts, if you've been here, and it's also always in the books of Acts where we see the principles and procedures which the Holy Spirit gave the church in those days so the church would be everything that God would want it to be. So as you go through the book of Acts and study it, you will find what the church was intended to do, and you'll discover that there are certain stopping points and certain passages and pictures in the book of Acts which describe the growth and development of the early church. It's kind of like a cameo of what a church is intended to be. You know, it's kind of like when you, for those of you who go on trips, and especially those of you who like the mountains, or have you been to, uh, you know, the Grand Canyon, but, it's, but basically when you get to a high point or somewhere, and you just really want to turn around and look and see where you are and places where you've been, it's just kind of that cameo one of those uh, plateaus in Scripture. Uh, so it's in verse 31 of this chapter in Acts 9, it kind of describes that. And it basically, it summarizes the church, kind of what it's intended to be and what the church is intended to do. And I'm going to talk about two things uh, primarily today. But first of all, I want us to begin in verse 31 of Acts 9. And this is what it says. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It did what? Multiplied. Now, there are two phrases that are the load-bearing words in this verse. The NIV, the NIV if you've got the New International Version, it says it was strengthened. And it increased in numbers. In the ESV, which is mainly what I use, it says it was built up and multiplied. The King James Version says, were multiplied. Then the King, New King James says, had peace and were edified. So here's the thing. They all kind of agree what it's supposed to be, right? But the churches were edified and the churches were multiplied. That's the two words I want to talk about today. What you find here is a church that was in perfect balance. It's exactly what God's church is supposed to be. You see, there's a tendency in our churches today, as well as Christians, to get out of balance. And I've seen this in some churches that I've served in. Sometimes we get a lot more balance in the direction of evangelism. Now, that's not the case in a lot of churches. You understand? Uh, some churches, this may be more of Another thing, it could be more of discipleship, but we need to be able to understand that we need to combine and have a balance. We know that the Lord, uh, or the Bible teaches us that we are to win people to our faith in the Lord Jesus. But if you're not very careful, you can get out of balance and you kind of only beat the drum with one drumstick. In other words, you kind of just seesaw on one side of the seesaw. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's just kind of hard to do. There are some churches that put all of their emphasis maybe on evangelism, winning people to Jesus. And I think you know me 
that I want to see people coming to Jesus. I want to see people who are getting saved. And we see that regularly in this church. We're never ever to take things like that for granted. I mean, we want that. But on the other hand, there are churches that get out of balance in the direction of discipleship. So the emphasis there is that we have a ministry to God's people. The purpose of our church is to help God's people grow and develop in their Christian life. There are some places where we say, we just feed the sheep. Well, our job is to feed the sheep. Basically mine. Certainly that is true. But you've got to find the sheep before you can feed the sheep. Amen? There are certain characteristics of sheep. Sometimes, you know, sheep go into a different pasture. They move their letter, and they are no longer with you. There are other sheep that go astray. They get away, and you can't minister to them. In fact, sometimes sheep even die. And if a church is not winning more sheep and winning more people to Christ, it will have less people to minister to and to grow and to develop. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Basically, a lot of times we look for all of these different definitions of discipleship. But the mission of disciple-making is pretty simple. Now, think about that. We want to learn how to experience and follow Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. So, and then show others how they are to experience and follow Jesus, too. And if we can learn this mission, as simple as it is, we can fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples of all nations. So what we need is that beautiful balance. Speaking of the word beautiful, that's a new song you, you've heard. But beautiful, beautiful Jesus. He is beautiful, isn't he? Very beautiful, beautiful song. I love that song. But what we need is the beautiful balance. It's not an either or. Does a church do evangelism or do they do discipleship? They do both. The church is to do both of these assignments of the early church. Did you notice that there is that perfect balance here in these verses? It says that the churches were edified. Then it says that they were, the churches were multiplied. So I want to talk to you about two things that the church is intended to do. Two things the church is to do. First is edify. The churches were busy edifying, which means what? To build up. We are in the business to build lives, to build marriages, to build young champions for God, to build witnesses, to build worshipers, and to build fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, let's look at how that was happening. They were edifying by giving encouragement. Encouragement. Look at verse 31. And was being built up. You see, we build up. We edify. We strengthen by encouragement. Look at verse 26. It says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now that is talking about Saul, who later becomes Paul. You've heard me talk a little bit about that uh, during this series. So here is Saul, 
He's trying to join the church. Now, you imagine, here's a guy that was known for persecuting Christians, killing Christians, torturing Christians. And now he wants to come and be a part of your church. He wants to come and be a part of your small group. He wants to come. He wants to lead a Bible study. You see, they knew about his past in persecuting and trying to eliminate the church. It is really not surprising that they kind of hesitated to accept Saul into the membership, right? But remember, the early church edified and they encouraged. Look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, this isn't the first time that we read about Barnabas. We've talked a lot about him the last few weeks. The first time was back in chapter 4, where he had sold some land, and he had gave the proceeds to the apostles uh, to help them. His given name was Joseph, but the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, what is interesting is that interesting here is that the word in the Greek right here that is translated encouragement, paraclete, is the same word that the Holy Spirit is called by, which is comforter, comforter. Now, think about that. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. It means to come alongside and help. Barnabas was the guy that would encourage you every time you were around him. And you've heard me say throughout this, we need more Barnabases today. This is what we need a church full of. It's every pastor's dream to have these kinds of people like Barnabas. Everybody loved Barnabas. Why? It's simple. Because he was just a great encourager. He was an optimist. He wasn't a pessimist. He saw the glass half full, not half empty. I mean, that's who Barnabas was. And you know, you heard me say, you know why we need to encourage people more? Because so many people are just discouraged. They are. Thank God for people who have the gift of encouragement because they really do help lift the load. There's a story about Dwight L. Moody's church in Chicago. Most of you know he, he really started a church really for boys and girls and basically started teaching a Sunday school class of boys and girls. And one day, this boy continued to walk past this other church to get to Moody's church. And one day, this guy who was on the front steps of that church decided to ask the boy. said, boy, where are you going every Sunday when you go past our church? Oh, I'm going to Mr. Moody's church. Well, son, we understand we have a church right here. Why is it you pass our church to go to Mr. Moody's church? He said, well... I guess if you really wanted to know the truth, they just really know how to welcome a feller over there. Huh? Now, some of you come to this church because you do feel that it is a welcoming church. And I pray that it is. Can't you see Barnabas just putting that old bear hug on Saul and saying, come on, brother, you're one of us. We love you. And in chapter 9... We find Barnabas once again bringing encouragement to this new convert, Saul. Do you remember what I said new Christians need? They need encouragement and friendship. I know some older, mature Christians that need the same thing. See, they watch some of you that have been here a while, 
And it's hard, time, it's hard sometimes to break in. I've talked about that. Especially if they come from what? Different churches and different backgrounds. They look at you and they think, man, I'd love to be a part of them. I'd love to be a part of those fellowships. I'd love to be a part of those groups. I would love to go laugh with them. I would love to go out and eat with them. How can I get in that group? Do you know why all of our kids and grandkids are in cliques? Because mom and dad and grandmama and granddaddy are in cliques. Did y'all hear that? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, do they? But we are supposed to love everyone. Listen, how can I get in? Barnabas, right here, he reached out and he was an encourager and a friend that would help restore them. We read in verse 28 this. He says, so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Now he was in the fellowship and now he was part of the church. Then look at what happened in verses 29 and 30. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. The church realized that for Saul's sake and for theirs, they needed to get Saul out of the area and get things cooled down. And that's exactly what happened. Now I want to make a statement. Look at the screen. This is not complicated, okay? God has to do a work on the inside of a church before he can do a work on the outside of a church. Does that make sense to you? Then let me ask you, does this make sense to you? God has to do a work inside of, put your name there, before he can do a work through you. Did you hear that? Do you see how this stuff goes together? God has to do something in the church before he can do something through the church. He has to do a work in me before he can do a work through me. Our mission statement here is very simple. Together we what? Go, serve, and love as we pursue what kind of relationship? A life-transforming relationship with Jesus. There must be life-transformation. Listen, when you come and you get saved and you ask Jesus in your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to understand things change. Your life needs to be transformed. The churches were edified through encouragement, but they were also edified through peace. By the way, did you notice in verse 31, the kind of church that edifies or builds those who have peace. They were at peace with one another. Can I just stop and talk about peace for the next three months? Peace. 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 How many of you really need peace in your life right now? We have people in here who have, again, family. Some have gotten back from Ukraine here to the U.S. recently. But some still have the family, same family, some of their family members over there. We have no clue about peace that some of these people are seeking. But let me just tell you, you're going to find it all in Jesus. You're not going to find it in a president. You're not going to find it in a nation. You're only going to find the true peace that passes all understanding, and that's through Jesus himself. We can look through everything. 
We don't need to be, you know, one day I'll preach this and preach that. But you need to understand, are we living in the last days? I believe we are. I keep saying yesterday, today's a little quicker than yesterday. You know, we're here, we're closer. But I'm just telling you right now, people, we're not to be caught off guard. Jesus said these things would happen. Do we understand that today? And we need to understand that there are things that are happening and we're trying to wrap our minds on, around, but you need to understand. You can read a lot of books, and I like reading books, but the truth is right here. It's not if you have trials and tribulations. My Bible, whether it's ESV, NIV, KJV, when you have trials and tribulations, amen? We need to understand that. We need peace. By the way, did you notice again, the church that edifies or builds is those who have peace. They were at peace with one another. Look at this. They refused to let any issue divide them for the sake of the gospel. Hey, there was tension and quarrelsome. I mean, but there, and there's, there's always just a lot of tension when edification is not taking place. Guys, listen. Where there is tension and quarrelsome, there is just a little bit of nothing of edification taking place. And I thank God, I really do, for pastoring a people whose hearts by and large is to have unity, harmony, and joy. Next is you edify by fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Let me show you something else that led to their edifying one another. Verse 31, walking in the fear of the Lord. That's something that Saul didn't have before he met Jesus, huh? But, buddy, he, mm, had he feared God, he would have never, ever, ever persecuted the church. He learned that when you attack the church, you attack Jesus. Did you hear what I said? When you attack the church, you attack Jesus. When you speak about the church, you speak, listen, if you speak bad about the church, you speak bad about Jesus. If you speak good about the church, you speak good about Jesus. When you neglect the church in a real sense, you neglect the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we need to edify, but secondly, we need to multiply. It's no wonder we read these words in verse 31. It multiplied. It grew in numbers. When a church is at peace and is building men and women of God, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and are filled with the Holy Spirit, they too will be multiplied. And if you have your notes, if you want to draw, if you, I know some of you take notes, but I want you just to draw a circle anywhere right there on your notes, okay? There's plenty of room because it's not a long outline, okay? Just draw a circle right there. And on the inside of that circle, just put the word edify. Edify, okay? And on the outside of that circle, just write the word multiply. You have the inward ministry of the church, and you have the outward ministry of the church. You have the ministry to the saints, and then you have the ministry to sinners. You see, grew in numbers, multiplied. That means that people are getting saved. The churches were multiplied. There's another place where that word multiplied is used rather uh, interestingly. It's actually Acts 6, verse 1. It says, and in those days, 
when the numbers of disciples was increasing, multiplied. People were getting saved. You ask, Pastor, how were people getting saved? Well, look at verse 42 of Acts 5. It says, And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Daily in the temple, publicly, and house to house, personally, they taught the message of Jesus and the church's were multiplied. Now hear me. That's why every service we have here, I give an invitation. And the other pastors give an invitation. You've heard me talk about this. We believe that in the public services, that people can walk right off these streets lost and get saved in here on Sunday mornings. Y'all believe that? You've seen it happen. That's why I give a gospel Invitation. In fact, it was just a couple weeks ago when we had our missionaries, uh, Doug Combs and Tim Finks. Lori and I uh, took out the Finks. And one of the things that meant the most to me for that whole day was when we were at dinner or lunch that day, whatever y'all call it here at noon. We call it different things in the South. I just call it eating. But anyway, uh, we're there, and he said, Pastor, I have to say something to you today, something that just meant more to me than anything. He says that you know you're one of the only churches that I've been to in forever that gives an invitation. And he says, I go to a lot of Baptist churches. Did y'all hear what I just said? Guys, that's just who I am. It doesn't matter if I'm 20 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, 80 years old. The gospel never changes. And I believe that you give a gospel invitation. That's why I do that. Listen, I know our music has changed over the years, but it's all designed to touch the hearts of people. Of course, it's there to bless and edify God's children, but it's intended to touch the hearts of lost people. And then the preaching before the message is over, there's usually always an evangelistic invitation. The services are designed that people may be saved. He says from house to house, house to house, Personally leading people to faith in Christ. That is why our church is here. We know that our purpose is to win people to faith in Jesus Christ. You heard me say a couple of weeks or whatever I said last week, our church is a rescue mission. That's exactly what we are to be. And many of you, you've been taught how to be soul winners. You've probably gone to three or four or five different things. I don't know depending on your age. But most of us have been taught how to share our faith. You know the plan of salvation. But are you sharing the plan? You see, a lot of people don't know the plan. And that's why we have things like vacation Bible school. You ever heard of it? You know how many people's gotten saved through vacation Bible school? That's why we have and will have again this summer the block party. Because it brings people in we're able to share with. That's why we had share what you wear. How many of y'all remember the four or five years we did the outreach with the cookies? You understand, this is why we have these things. This is why we do what we do. Many of you know how to share the plan of salvation with someone else. Uh, when we did Who's Your One? I mean, all of us, I said this is the easiest way to share your 
your story is this. What was my life before I met Christ? Now, if you hadn't met Christ, you can't go any further than that story. And second, what has my life been like since I met Christ? But in between, you've got to tell. You've got to know how you met Christ. So what is my life like before Christ? Where are you at? Where were you? Do you remember? Some was worse than others, I guess. But here's the deal. If you were lost, we're all, we're all headed to the same place, right? It doesn't matter. But listen. So how did you meet Christ if you met him? Do you know that? If not, you need to know that. You need to know that before you leave today. And then, what has my life been like since? should be able to share that. House to house. We have expanded our understanding of what house to house means. We know, of course, that house to house means visitation, going into their homes. But now we are able to go house to house in many other ways. I mean, guys, think about the world today. We have telephones. I mean, now the telephone, I mean, the cell phones, we have emails, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Skype, we have, I mean, I can go on and on. There are all kinds of ways to touch people in the name of Jesus. Again, same thing, vacation Bible school, the blog party, share what you wear, all these other things. There's nothing like that personal touch. Some of you have the gift, the gift of hospitality, and that is an incredible thing. Lifestyle evangelism, though, is one person telling another person about Jesus. So let me encourage you to find somebody who needs to know Jesus. Okay? Find some friend or someone at school who needs to know the Lord. Find somebody you work with that's not a Christian. Find some neighbor. Find someone you come in co contact with, whether it's at the ball field or wherever it may be, and cultivate a relationship with that person and love that person and share with that person the Lord Jesus Christ. As the churches are edified, that is, the ministry to the saints, as the churches are multiplied, that is, a ministry to sinners, the church comes to be what God wants it to be. So let's close here. I said earlier that God has to work on the inside of a church before he can work on the outside of a church. Now I want you to hear these two statements I'm about to make. If the world hates you because of Jesus, that's expected. Did you hear that? But if the world hates Jesus because of you, that's a problem. Let me say it again. If the world hates you because of Jesus, that's expected. But if the world hates Jesus because of you, that's a problem. Let's love better, let's be better, and let's be a church that amazes Lima. Let's bow our heads with every head bowed and Every eye's closed as we get ready for invitation. If you don't know about this Jesus that I've just talked about today, let me just uh, share what he did for you and me. You see, Jesus loves you and me so much that he died for us. And you need to understand this morning that you can have eternal life in heaven 
It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can know, you can know his love by admitting you are a sinner and believing that he died on the cross for you. We're all sinners. And you can repent of your sins and just trust in the death and the burial and the resurrection. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, can you just ask him to forgive you and he will save you? Just place your faith and trust in him because he wants to be your Lord and Savior and help guide you through life. And you can have grace and freedom and joy through Jesus. And if you want this gift of free eternal life this morning, then you can just pray this prayer silently as I say it. Just make this your prayer. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please come into my life and save me? Cleanse me of my sins. Come live in me, Jesus. I receive your gift of forgiveness. I surrender to you. I give you my life and I receive your life. Father, help me to re- just to be able to live the remaining days of my life for you. In your name I pray. If you just prayed that prayer and you've probably made the most, well it is, the most important decision in your life ever. And I encourage you to come here in a second and tell one of us pastors so we can pray for you. And we also have a gift for you. For the rest... This altar will be open as always if you want to come and pray. Or if you want a pastor to pray with you, just come to one of us and be glad. We'll just be glad to pray with you. Father, this morning, I want to thank you that you turned graves into garden. God, there's nothing better than you. Lord, as we've sang today, you've never lost a battle because you are a beautiful, beautiful Jesus. And thanks for what you did on the cross. It was more than enough. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.